And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hodnell. This is the Ken Hodnell Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is October 26th. It is the 299th day of the year. Um, 66 days until the year is over with. And we'll start a new one. Well... Holidays and observances, National Pumpkin Day, Accession Day, uh, Austrian National Day, National Chicken Fried Steak Day, National Day of the Deployed, been there and done that, National Financial Crime Fighter Day, National Mince Meat Day, National Mule Day. You know, mules are hard to find. Most of them are in Congress right now. National Noah Day. National Tennessee Day. National Transgender Children Day. <sighs> National Vivasi Microneedling Day. Uh, a Vivasi Experience Machine will give you an experience you won't quickly forget. And it's World Wild Howl at the Moon Night. Um, I know a lot of folks that, uh, did that. Some of them, uh, should have been locked up. But then again, each to their own. All right, in 1185 A.D., the uprising of Ascension and Peter begins on the feast day of St. Demetrius in Thessalonica and ends with the creation of the Second Bulgarian Empire. 1341, the Byzantine Civil War of 1341 and 13, through 1347 formally begins with the proclamation of uh, John VI Cantazunius as Byzantine Emperor. Remember, Byzantine was the Eastern Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was so big, they divided it into two, the Western based in Rome and the Eastern based in Constantinople. 1377, Divertko I is crowned the first king of Bosnia. 1520, Charles V is crowned as Holy Roman Emperor. Though I would submit by the 1500s, um, it wasn't holy by a long shot. It wasn't really Roman anymore. Um, but, you know, everybody has to have a job. 1597, the Imjin War. Korean Admiral Yi Sun Sen routes the Japanese Navy of 300 ships with only 13 ships at the Battle of Mion Niang. Hmm. 1640, Treaty of Ripon is signed, restoring peace between Coventry, Scotland, and King Charles I of England. 1689, General Anaya Silvio Piccolomini of Austria burns down Skopje to prevent the spread of cholera. Unfortunately for him, he died of that disease shortly after that. 1774, American Revolution, First Continental Congress adjourns in Philadelphia. 1813, more of 1812, a combined force of uh, British regulars, Canadian militia, Mohawks, defeat the United States Army in the Battle of Chautauqua. 1825, the Erie Canal opens up, allowing direct passage from the Hudson River to Lake Erie. Ah. 1859, the Royal Charter Storm kills at least uh, 800 people in the British Isles. 
1816, Unification of Italy. Expedition of the Thousand Ends with Giuseppe Garibaldi presents his conquest to King Victor Emmanuel of Sardinia. 1863, the Football Association is founded. 1871, Liberian President Edward James Roy is deposed in a coup d'etat. 1881, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday participate in a gunfight at the O.K. Corral in Tombstone, Arizona. It didn't actually happen in the O.K. Corral. It happened in a lot near the O.K. Corral. 1890, Melico Viaduct in Chile, at the time the highest railroad bridge in the world, is inaugurated by President Jose Manuel Tomasita. 1892, Ida Wells publishes Southern Horrors, Lynch Law in All Its Phases. 1905, King Oscar II recognizes the dissolution of the union between Norway and Sweden. 1909, Japanese occupation of Korea. Jun Gwen assassinates Japan's President General of Korea. 1912, First Balkan War. The Ottomans lose the cities Thessaloniki and Skopje. 1917, World War I. Brazil declares war on the Central Powers. 1918, World War I. Erich Ludendorff, Quartermaster General of the Imperial German Army, is dismissed by Kaiser Wilhelm II for refusing to cooperate in peace negotiations. 1936, first electric generator at Hoover Dam goes into full operation. 1937, Nazi Germany begins expulsion of 18,000 Polish Jews. 1942, World War II and the Battle of Santa Cruz Islands during the Guadalcanal Campaign. One U.S. aircraft carrier sunk, another carrier is heavily damaged with two Japanese carriers, one cruiser being heavily damaged. 1944, World War II, the Battle of Gulf ends in an overwhelming American victory. 1947, Partition of India. The Maharaj of Kashmir and Jammu signs the instrument of accession with India, beginning the Indo-Pakistani War of 1947 and the Kashmir Conflict. 1955, after the last Allied troops have left the country and Following the provisions of uh, the Austrian Independence Treaty, Austria declares that it will never join a military alliance. 1955, Neo Dinh Diem proclaims himself president of the newly created Republic of Vietnam. 1956, Hungarian Revolution. Towns of Maison Maggi Road Far and Estergom. Hungarian secret police forces massacre civilians. As rebel strongholds in Budapest hold, fighting spreads throughout the country. Today, 58, Pan American Airways makes the first commercial flight of the Boeing 707 from New York City to Paris. 1967, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi crowns himself Emperor of Iran. I met his son at Fort Benning. 1968, Space Race. The Soyuz 3 mission achieves the first Soviet space rendezvous. 1977, Ali Maomalin, the last natural case of smallpox, develops a rash in Somalia. The WHO and the CDC consider this date to be the anniversary of the eradication of smallpox, the most spectacular success of vaccination. Unfortunately, it's making a comeback. 1979, Park Chung-hee, president of South Korea, is assassinated by Korean CIA head uh, Kim Jong-il. 1985, the Austrian government returns ownership of Uluru to the local 
Pajan Jatjara Aborigines, 1989. China Airlines Flight 204 crashes after takeoff from Hirulin Airport in Taiwan, killing all 54 people on board. 1991, three months after the end of the 10-day war, the last soldier in the Yugoslav People's Army leaves the territory of the Republic of Slovenia. 1994, Jordan and Israel sign a peace treaty. 1995, Mossad agents assassinate Pakistani and the Islamic Jihad leader Fathi Shakwaki in his hotel in Malta. 1995, an avalanche hits the Icelandic village of Flateri, destroying 29 homes and burying 45 people. It also killed 20. 1999, the People's Kingdom, the United Kingdom's House of Lords votes to end the the right of most hereditary peers to vote in British Britain's upper chamber parliament. That was a sad day for Britain. 2000, the Weber protest forces Robert Guillaume to step down as president after Ivorian presidential election. 2001, the United States passes the Patriot Act into law. Anything but patriotic. 2002, approximately 50 Chechen terrorists and 150 hostages die when Russian special forces storm a theater building in Moscow, which had been occupied by the terrorists during a, a musical performance three days before. 2003, the, the Cedar Fire, the third largest wildfire in California history, kills 15, consumes 250,000 acres, and destroys 22 homes around San Diego. 2004, Rockstar Games releases Grand Theft Auto San Andreas for the PlayStation 2 in North America, which sold 12 million units for PS2 becoming the console's best-selling video game. 2012, Moscow, uh, Microsoft become, uh, made a public release of Windows 8 and made it available on the new PCs. 2015, a 7.5 magnitude earthquake strikes in the Hindu Kush mountain range in South Asia, kills 399 and left 2,536 people injured. Well, we've been talking about a lot of strange and unusual things. There's no question about it. We live in a a, um, a strange world. Um, we've got um, quite a number of um, things I want to cover. You know, this year we're facing uh, multifaceted threats from foreign terrorist organizations, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Iran, um, and the, the number of terrorist events that have happened this year just kind of boggles the mind. January 1st was the beginning. It was a bombing, 20 dead, 30 injured in Kabul. Um, it was called the Kabul Airport bombing. Bomb was exploded outside in a checkpoint uh, near the Kabul International Airport. The Islamic State uh, claimed credit, if there is credit to be had. January 11th, there was a suicide bombing in Kabul. 20-plus dead. Um... Suicide attacker detonated a bomb outside the offices of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Islamic State claimed credit. 
January 15th, there was a bombing. Killed 17, injured 39. Uh, Kasindi, North Kivu, in Democratic Republic of uh, the Congo. Uh, bomb was exploded outside a Pentecostal church. January 27th, there was a shooting, one dead and two injured in Tehran. There was an attack on the Azerbaijani embassy in Tehran. man entered the embassy with a Kalashnikov and opened fire, and head of the embassy security staff uh, was killed in the attack. Two guards were injured. January 27th, another mass shooting. Um... Eight dead, three injured in Jerusalem, East Jerusalem. Um, 21-year-old Palestinian shot Israeli civilians at a synagogue inside a Jewish shuttle before he was killed by the police. January 30th, there was a suicide bombing in uh, Pakistan, 84 uh, dead, 220 injured. Suicide attacker detonated a bomb during afternoon prayers inside a mosque in the police lines area. Significant number of the casualties were actually police officers. February 17th, shooting, suicide bombing. Four killed, 16 injured in Karachi, Pakistan. It was the Karachi police station attack. Militants with automatic weapons, grenades, and suicide vests attacked a heavily guarded Karachi police office. When the attackers blew himself up in the building, two others were killed by the security forces. What do you accomplish with a suicide bomb? I've never understood the philosophy. March 6th, another suicide bombing. Nine dead, 13 injured in Pakistan. Suicide bomb on a motorcycle targeted a van carrying a Belichistan constabulary personnel. April 2nd, improvised explosive device bombing. One dead, 42 injured in St. Petersburg, Russia. I, uh, during a speech by a military blogger, Vladlin Tatarsky, in a cafe, an IED, Planted in a statue uh, given to him, uh, exploded. May 9th, mass shooting. Five dead, eight injured. Uh, in uh, Tunisia, member of the Tunisian National Guard opened fire on pilgrims celebrating the Jewish holiday of Lagba Omer in the uh, Griba Synagogue. Killed two and two police officers, but he was shot dead by security forces. Prior to this shooting, he killed a colleague and took his ammunition. May 24th, another suicide bombing. Three dead, several injured in uh, Pakistan. Suicide bomber attacked a security checkpoint. Two soldiers and a civilian died. Several others were injured. Four days later, the military group Jaish Fursan Mohammed claimed responsibility for the attack. This is all being done in the name of religion. What kind of religion sanctions this type of stuff? June 8th, suicide bombing. 19 dead, 38 injured in uh, Afghanistan. Bomb exploded in a mosque where a memorial service is being held for Nasir Ahmad Ahmadi, the governor of Badakhshan, who was killed by the Islamic State that week. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for the mosque bombing. June 16th, arson and stabbing, 42 dead, 8 injured, and in a uh, secondary school in Uganda. Militants from allied democratic forces attack a secondary boarding school in uh, Uganda with petrol bombs and machetes. And the majority of the dead were students at the school. What did that accomplish? July 30th, suicide bombing, 63 dead, 200 injured in Pakistan. Suicide bomb at a 
Jamiat Ulima e Islam rally in Karbahar district in Khyber in Pakistan killed at least 63 and injured nearly 200. August 19th, another bombing, 11 dead, 2 injured in Pakistan. Vehicle transporting laborers drove over a landmine. September 29th, suicide bombing, 60 dead, 50 injured in Pakistan again. Now, suicide bombing during the procession of the Islamic holiday of Id Malad e Nabi near a mosque. September 29th, another suicide bombing in Pakistan, 5 dead and 12 injured. Vehicle filled with explosives was stopped at the entrance of a mosque in Hangu when the attackers detonated explosives close to the mosque entrance while the other blew himself up inside the building. What have you accomplished when you blow yourself up? I don't understand. October 7th, was a terrible day. Mass shooting and kidnapping in Israel. 260 dead, an unknown number injured. Uh, the Riyam Music Festival massacre. Hamas fighters who had penetrated into Israel from the Gaza Strip attacked the music festival. Of the 3,000 people attending the festival, at least 260 were killed, and a lot of others are wounded or taken hostage, and whereabouts are still unknown. October 13th, another suicide bombing. Seven dead, 17 injured in Afghanistan. Bomb exploded in a Shia mosque in uh, Pui Kumri, killing seven, wounded 17. October 16th, there was a stabbing, one dead, three injured in Arras, France. An Islamic extremist went into a school and stabbed and injured multiple school faculty members. What did he accomplish? And then October 16th, we have another mass shooting. Two dead, one injured in Brussels. Uh, supportive ISIS went into a shop and shot a Swedish um, soccer fans. I, I find it difficult to comprehend the logic of somebody who would for no reason at all um, kill people. The, um, you know, in this country alone, we have a rising um, risk of, of uh, terrorist attacks. And I understand there was one in uh, California. I don't have a lot of information on it yet. Um, And see if I can bring up anything on that. Yeah, let's see. got every loony that you can imagine threatening to blow up schools and do this and that and the other. Nine times out of ten it's just talk wanting to get attention, but it's the wrong type of attention. I'm going to make it even worse. In Maine there's a former firearms instructor who's running around shooting people. Last thing I read he had shot 22. 
And instead of putting the blame on the individual, the governor went off on a rant about those evil guns. Well, let me say this about that. If not for those evil guns, that 22 could easily have been 220. And there has uh, a list of shootings just goes on and on and on. Um, but instead of wanting to address the issues, those that talk about it blame the guns, blame the left, blame the NRA. And my favorite person to blame when I hear them ranting and rave is, of course, Donald Trump. And he could not be within a, a mile of what happened, but he's to blame. He created the atmosphere. Well, how about the one we have in office right now? It's his atmosphere that, uh, in my humble opinion, um, gave the go-ahead to the, uh, the terrorist that attacked Israel because they know we're not going to do anything. Uh, we were the... We were the big club everybody had that was keeping things under control. The um, a new story just came in about the main shooting. Families are reading Bibles and loading firearms as they wait for this guy to show up on their front door. And unfortunately... Um, nobody seems to really know which way to go in dealing with him. Now, border states are prepared to arrest and deport illegal immigrants if, uh, on their own if they cause issues. Uh, I mean, under the current philosophy, you can't ask the feds for help. Oh, no, that would be evil. But if they want to shoot you, well, suddenly it's not evil. Um, and to give you a, another story, 11 guns, including automatic weapons, were found stashed in food wrappers, game, uh, board game boxes, and the walls after a 17-year-old credit card thief was captured doing a boozy birthday bash at a Airbnb turned machine gun BNB. Uh, credit cards were reported stolen from a resident of Shoreview, Minnesota, led to the suspect at the BNB, where police said they were shocked by the number of guns they found. Now, 11 seems to be a little excessive. And, uh, got an interesting. Now, people are taking sides, whether they realize it or not. Eventbrite that advertises people's events. Um, they deleted Riley Gaines, who's the anti-transgender young lady. Um, but they kept pro-Hamas rally listings. And uh, today, after they got questioned... Um, said they're not listing the pro-Hamas events. Um, 
People are just funny. Well, let's see what else we got. You know, we've been talking about um, the occult. And that word, even though people put all kinds of meanings to it, simply means hidden. And, you know, one individual who kind of the poster child, if you will, for the occult was uh, Nostradamus. He was recently hailed as the author of the Gospel of Doom for the Modern Age. Michel de Nostradam, or Nostradamus as he's been known, he's had a checkered reputation over the years. Born in the French town of saint remy du provence as uh, the end of 1503. One of uh, at least nine children born to a notary father and a mother who from whom he could claim a family history in medicine. But his name has become synonymous with mayhem and catastrophe both during his lifetime and after. And although the details of his life are generally disputed, it's generally assumed he began his professional life at the University of Avignon, although it was brought to an abrupt end in 1521 due to the spread of the plague in that city. This opened up new doors for this young man, and Reports to be believed, he didn't waste time. He spent eight years researching herbal remedies as he roamed the countryside. And this stood him in good stead for working as an apothecary, a vocation he took to uh, keenly for several years, providing cures and tinctures for those who came to him in his self-imposed exile. 1529, he decided to try again at the university route and enrolled to study for a doctorate in medicine at the University of Montpelier. And this was also somewhat short-lived as he was asked to leave when not only his previous trade as an apothecary was discovered, which of course was against the rules of the university, but uh, also rumors about it. He'd been speaking out against the medical profession. Lack of formal training didn't uh, greatly harm his prospects, though. 1531, he moved to Aigen, married, and had two children. Well, following the death of his wife and children, uh, he continued on his previous travels. During this time, his reputation as a healer of plague was established, although there are little evidence that his uh, attempted cures in either Marseille or his native uh, Salon de Provence were successful. Before 1940, uh, 1547, he settled once again in his hometown. There he married for the second and final time his new wife, a widow of wealth, who bore him six children during their time together. His first official dabbling with the occult and connected subjects came in the mid-1500s when he produced the first of a long run of annual almanacs or predictions and uh, weather forecasts, capitalized on the uh, popularity of this new craze, and his work catapulted him into the limelight soon found himself catering to the uh, prestigious, building up a client base that prized his ability to produce personalized predictions. And despite um, his reputation as a seer, 
He expected his clients to do a lot of the legwork for him. Where a professional astrologer would calculate birth charts himself, Nostradamus requested the information be provided. Now, this was potentially due to a lack of skill and confidence in that area, as the charts he did produce didn't stand up under scrutiny and other criticism from other astrologers. While he rose to prominence in the uh, world of the mystical and the arcane, Catherine de' Medici, queen of uh, Henry II of France, also sought out his services. And it could be said that this was skillfully orchestrated by Nostradamus himself as a prediction in his almanac for 1555 contained a prediction that hinted at impending danger for the royal family. Understandably worried by this and believing wholeheartedly in the power of such predictions, the queen summoned him to Paris in 1556 and during a meeting commissioned horoscopes for her children, including the future kings of France, Charles IX and Henry of Anjou, Nostradamus is said to have predicted the rise of Anjou, something that uh, must have carried great satisfaction for Catherine, especially as her son was at that time only sixth in line to the throne. Well, they met again some years later when Nostradamus was an old man in his native Salon de Provence itself. The royal party of Catherine and Charles IX braved the plague-ridden town to meet the man who Catherine held in such esteem. During that meeting, Nostradamus was created both a king's physician and a royal counselor, along with being rewarded for his service with 200 ecus, which was not a small sum in those days. Well, Nostradamus wasn't popular with everybody, though. There were those who denounced him and called him a liar and a fake, and some even went so far as to declare him insane or outright evil. Now, this... Less than flattering reputation survived long after his death due to the resurge of interest in the most popular and famous of his uh, works. The predictions contained in a series of quatrains known as the Prophecies. Well, published in three editions, the last after his death, the quatrains speak in general terms of various things, types of catastrophes, focusing particularly on natural disasters such as earthquakes and plagues and floods, as well as wars and murders and invasions. Some have credited Nostradamus with predicting uh, numerous pivotal events throughout history, from the Great Fire of London and the French Revolution to the Two World Wars, the 9-11 terror attacks, and even the death of Princess Diana. Well, the general vagueness of the prophecies, in most cases the quatrains lack dates entirely, and where they are mentioned, they are used in the most general of terms, allows the uh, a reader to interpret his words according to their own beliefs and agenda. Indeed, one of the greatest criticisms of the writings of Nostradamus, both from his contemporaries and modern readers, is the general feeling of confusion due to the wordiness and lack of clarity, which more than one client complaining they couldn't understand a word that had been written for him. And this has been further hindered by the fact that no two editions or even copies, in some cases, of the quatrains are the same. Both printing methods and... Uh, Translation process have compounded the often impenetrable nature of his works. Although heralded as a prophet, he didn't fit the image of a man elected by God to bring his word to the world. In fact, when a term Nostradamus used in relation to himself, he actually refused that claim on more than one occasion, in print. Label prophet ascribed to him by his supporters, much like that of doctor, which was used by him on several occasions, despite the fact he never achieved a degree in medicine, did more to enhance his status and hinder it, would have been a much less worldly man than Nostradamus who wouldn't have 
would have spurned the benefits in such an association. It's been said he worried for his reputation and even his life on occasion. Some sources maintain he feared the might and power of the Inquisition itself, although this has been disputed uh, by a number of historians as it was religious differences rather than the occult belief or practice that led to his brief conflict with the church and Agen in 1538. There have also been several practices attributed to Nostradamus through the ages to enhance his occult status, but assertions made he was adept at fire and water gazing. Well, these claims, though, can't be substantiated by any historical sources. Instead, uh, form part of the ever-evolving myth that sur- surrounds him. And there's little evidence to support accusations of secret adherence to uh, Protestantism or any hostility toward the Catholic Church. It should be noted his writings contain no censor of the Church, and he was favored by Catholic leaders such as Catherine de' Medici, his client base being drawn from a very mix of Protestant and Catholic backgrounds. Well, by the mid-1560s, <coughs> the elderly Nostradamus was not in good health, suffered increasingly from gout and dropsy. Maybe sensing the end was near, he said his affairs and water provided for his wife to live comfortably in the event he, she should remarry and leaving provisions for his children after his death. And that wasn't done a moment too soon. On the night of July 1st, 1566, according to legend, he went to bed with the chilling prediction to his secretary he wouldn't be alive come morning. Well, this time he was right. He was discovered dead the next day, exactly as he predicted. Well, there's also another topic that a lot of folks have bandied about enlightenment and the occult. Now, enlightenment is not the triumph of rationality over religion and superstition. In fact, not until 1865 did the word enlightenment come into being to describe certain 18th century philosophical developments. It was originally a term of um, disapproba- disapprobation, implying shallow and pretentious intellectualism. The relationship between religion, uh, occultism, and science was much more complex than the supposed banishing of all of the forms of traditional knowledge and belief by empiricism. I mean, by that, it was meant what can be proven by observation and calculation. For example, Sir Isaac Newton, the greatest scientific genius before Einstein, wrote more extensively about the second coming of Christ than did about gravity and Robert Boyle, father of modern chemistry, left money in his will for annual lectures to be delivered for the defense of Christianity against atheism and other errors. We also need to bear in mind that the uh, the major intellectual developments of the period from the early 17th to the late 18th centuries were the result not only of remarkably gifted thinkers, but also of major political religious movements in what was a very troubled period of European history. That period began with the Thirty Years' War on the Continent and the Civil War in Britain, included religious revival movements on both sides of the Atlantic, ended with the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars. But beginning in 1633, with the incident often represented 
as the beginning of the clash between religion and science. The uh, I'm talking about the papal condemnation of Galileo Galilei. Italian had long since embraced uh, Copernicus's um, heliocentric theory: the Earth moves around the sun. Um, Copernicus had demonstrated the mathematically, but Galileo confirmed it by means of observation using his newly developed telescope. Traditionalists rejected uh, heliocentrism because they were wedded to the long-established physics laid down by the 4th century B.C. philosopher Aristotle because various Bible references described the movements of heavenly bodies as they appeared from Earth. And we still think of the sun as rising in the east and setting in the west, even though we know that a Actually, our planet that moves. Most of our 17th century ancestors are perfectly obvious the sun did the moving. As for Copernicus, apparent contradiction of the Bible, Galileo agreed with a prominent cardinal who observed the Bible teaches that I go to heaven, but not how the heavens go. And that was absolutely correct. And all this would have remained within the realm of scholarly debate had not the Pope come down firmly on the side of the traditionalists. Through the weight of the church behind the Aristotelian uh, view, what was at stake was a theory of astrophysics with the authority of the Pope. Because remember, the Pope was infallible. God made him so. And for over a hundred years, the Catholic Church had been under siege from Protestants and other heretics who challenged various aspects of belief and practice. And in response, Rome became steadily more uh, obdurate, buttressing its understanding of the truth with the threat of condemnation and punishment by the Inquisition. And under these circumstances, many church officials who might otherwise have been ready to give Galileo a, a hearing fell in line with the official Roman verdict. Some of them even refused to look through his telescope, believing it must be some kind of magic device designed to seduce him from the truth. Well, then in 1623, Galileo had what seemed to be a stroke of luck. One of his own friends became Pope, Urban VIII. He studied Galileo's arguments and instructed him to write a book describing the scholarly debate. And the Pope made two stipulations. Galileo was only to present heliocentrism as a possible theory. It was also to ensure that Urban's own position was clearly represented. So Galileo wrote a dialogue concerning uh, the two chief world systems. And as the title suggests, the subject was presented as a discussion between a wise Copernican, Salvati, and a stupid uh, obscurant, uh, obscurantist Aristotelian, Simplicio, at, uh, you know, the, the mouth of Simplicio was the, that the author presented Urban's arguments. Pope is furious, summoned the old man, now in his 70s, back to Rome to face a charge of disobedience. You couldn't disobey the Pope, because he spoke for God. He summoned the old man, as I said, and of course, Galileo was found guilty. Though three judges of his judges refused to sign the indictment, he was obliged to confess publicly he believed everything taught by the Holy Church. His sentence to perpetual imprisonment, which would likely have killed him off quickly, but this was uh, commuted to house arrest in his own house. Well, about the time he was clashing with his ecclesiastical authority in Italy on the other side of the Alps, uh, 
Conflict of altogether more terrifying and wide-ranging proportions were taking place. Between 1626 and 1631, parts of Germany were in the grip of witch mania. Sporadic outbreaks of persecution weren't that uncommon in both Catholic and Protestant territories. Earlier one in Bonn was described by a contemporary and using the words there must be half the city implicated for already uh, professors and law students and pastors and canons and vicars and monks have been arrested and burned. Chancellor and his wife and the private secretary's wife are already executed. Students and boys of noble birth of 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 have been burned. And fine, fine, things are in such a pitiful state that you don't know what people one may talk to and associate with because you can be executed for association. Well, which mania is an example of historical phenomenon that repeats itself over and over in all societies? We might call it the, the them prejudice. People suffering misfortune frequently look for a scapegoat. The problem is the fault of them. Them might be Jews, the government, the communists, the EU, foreign immigrants, whatever happened to be the current focus of community or national hatred in the confusion and terror engendered by the Thirty Years' War, for example. Hundreds of towns and cities were destroyed. Farmland was trampled by foraging armies. Millions died from disease and starvation as well as military combat. In fact, Germany lost a quarter of its population. Well, with such manifest evil stalking the land, it wasn't altogether surprising sufferers looked for scapegoats and ought to purge their communities of them. In fact, uh, Elias Ashmole was an example of uh, the educated Englishman whose tastes were Catholic and who can't uh, be pigeonholed as a friend or enemy of the occult. There were many such. He went to London in 1633, became a solicitor, and applied himself assiduously to building a fortune by cultivating the right people. He supported Charles I during the Civil War and joined the royal court in Oxford. While he was there, he took the opportunity to extend his education, his wide-ranging studies, embracing mathematics and physics and astrology and alchemy and magic. He was a staunch Church of England man who held off all nonconformists in contempt. Uh, but he became a Freemason in 1646 and probably also uh, flirty with Rosicrucianism. While designing his coat of arms, he surmounted the uh, shield with an image of the god Mercury supported by figures representing the twin constellation Gemini. His chosen motto, Ex Uno Omnia, all comes from the one, indicated his fascination with the Hermetic tradition. Court favor and financially advantageous marriages enabled him to amass a huge collection of books and prints and coins and medals and curios he bestowed on the University of Oxford, uh, which in uh, 1669 awarded him a doctorate in medicine. Well, how far his own knowledge merited the, the accolade is not altogether clear. If you know the right people, knowledge doesn't matter. On one occasion, to cure an ailment, he hung three spiders around his neck. It's hard enough. The Latinish uh, pursuit of uh, knowledge assured his undying fame by the establishment of the Oxford Museum. That became his uh, name. It bears his name. 
probably the first such to be open to the public. Now, he was a, by every stretch of the imagination, he was an opportunist. You know, folklore provided lurid descriptions of black magicians and their activities. Why they believed that Satan summoned witches and wizards to attend Sabbaths, where blasphemous travesties of Christian worship were enacted and sacrifices were offered. Those called to such assemblies flew through the air to be present. Now, none of this had any part in Christian doctrine, but since the Bible endorsed belief in spiritual conflict between the powers of good and evil, little, if anything, was done by the church authorities to uh, challenge such stories. Among the intelligentsia opinions were divided. Some men of science, such as Robert Boyle, accepted the common conviction that witches existed when in league with the devil. But there was, in fact, a growing skepticism, not only about the more bizarre accounts of occult activity, but also about the very existence of witchcraft. Samuel Harsnett, cleric who eventually rose to Archbishop of York, wrote a treatise condemning clergy who called out exorcisms, gave it his, his opinion that people have had their brains batted and their fancies uh, distempered with the imaginations and apprehensions of wizards and conjurers and fairies and all the lymphatical uh, chimera. He said, I find uh, to be marshaled in one of these five ranks, children, fools, women, and cowards, sick or black melancholic um, discomposed wits. Other critics, while debunking the more lurid accounts of occult activity, were cautious about declaring witchcraft didn't actually exist. Not only were they anxious to avoid being tarred as heretics, they don't want to be seen as at odds with the law, for most European states had anti-witchcraft legislation in place. And again, the prevailing philosophical framework in which post-Renaissance debate took place made it difficult for radical thinkers to deny the possibility of magic. And it was taken to unbelievable extremes. Matthew Hopkins, the witchfinder general, was responsible for the death of hundreds of women. Clearly, he was not a, a fan of women. Uh, the prevailing philosophical framework in which post-Renaissance debate took place literally predisposed people to believe what the powers that be wanted you to believe. The laying of a new philosophical ground plan was undertaken by thinkers trying to arrive at a logically acceptable concept of God in a Europe where Catholics and Protestants were zealously slaughtering each other. It's 1584, a down-to-earth Kinnish gentleman called uh, Reginald Scott debunked the whole idea of malevolent magical powers on religious grounds. In his discovery of witchcraft, he argued that uh, an all-powerful God wouldn't allow any human agent to exercise spiritual powers. Witches, according to Scott, belonged to one of four categories. Some were some victims of malevolent neighbors. Some were self-deluded. Some were deliberate fraudsters, making money from phony charms and potions. And the rest were genuine. I mean, they sought to inflict harm by supernatural means, but uh, any success they achieved was attributable to chance or to some sinister means, such as poison or what we now call auto-suggestion. Scott's skepticism gradually gained ground among thinking people. And what's surprising from a modern viewpoint is it took so long. 
In the 17th century, a new brand of philosophers emerged who applied their own kind of solvents to the common belief in black magic. Men like uh, Rene Descartes, Thomas Hobbes, Baruch Spinoza, all pondered the existence and nature of God and came to very difficult conclusions. Common ground they shared was a mechanistic concept of the universe. However it came into being, it operated according to strict rules. And those rules were informative about the one who devised them, or indeed such a being, if indeed such a being existed. One byproduct of this understanding of the cosmos was that it couldn't have been changed from within. That is to say, no human being can manipulate it, perform miracles, or cast effective spells. In other words, there are no such thing as witches or wizards or cunning men or whatever fanciful name might be claimed by or attributed to persons that are thought to possess spiritual powers. And nothing better illustrates the changing mood of the time than the trial of Jane Wenham in 1712. She was a widow of Walking Hertfordshire, denounced by some of her neighbors in turn, egged on by local clergy, to, they accused her of various malicious acts. She was tried at Hertford Assizes before Sir John Powell, who fell over backward to steer the jury toward an acquittal. When the jury brought in a guilty verdict, the judge had no alternative but to give the sentence of death by hanging. But he immediately applied to the Crown in person for a pardon, which was immediately granted. And this resulted in a frenzied pamphlet war between accusers and defenders of the clergy involved in the case. And one writer who published anonymously probably devoid accusations of uh, atheism pointed out that uh, human beings are able to change the rules governing nature, but certainly not by invoking demons. He said, not only our witchcraft uh, have been uh, banished, but all arts and sciences have been greatly improved. Our buildings are much more beautiful and commodious, and yet more cheaply built and easier kept in uh, repair. Our gardens and orchards are stocked with new and noble fruits and fields and woods with youthful trees. And many of our lands that were almost useless are loaded with new kinds of grass and roots. By better understanding the improvement of the, of the soil, physic and surgery are now molded and improved for the lengthening of life and ease. The furthest planets are brought near and their motions wonderfully accounted for. All arts are improved. God is seen and admired in his works, and the honor of a religion no way uh, lessened. And that letter came from a physician Herpershire to his friend in London. And uh, that vision of a utopian world might not have convinced anybody who read it, but it did make the point that humanity could abandon magic without abandoning God. England was one of the first nations uh, to put an end to witchcraft trials. And the unofficial lynchings did sometimes occur. The last legal conviction took place in 1716. But another 66 years before the last European state, that was Switzerland, abandoned the witchcraft prosecutions. And the author of a letter from a physician cited the diffusion of scientific knowledge as a fundamental reason for overcoming superstition and the, the greater welling of being of society. And there was a lot of truth in this assertion. One of the hidden revolutions that took place in the second half of the 17th century was uh, education became fashionable. Between the end of the Thirty Years' War and the beginning of the Napoleonic Wars, Europe enjoyed a 
century and a half of relative peace. And this enabled the more affluent members of society to concentrate on uh, acquiring the arts of civilized living. That was the age of the, the Grand Tour. The scions of uh, wealthy English families were dispatched to the continent for three years or so to learn foreign language and discovered foreign culture and studied with some of the leading intellectuals of the age. More inquisitive and acquisitive travelers have returned with cartloads, sometimes shiploads of souvenirs, paintings, sculptures, books, very scientific specimens, which to adorn their mansions and impress the friends, and sometimes they brought back wives. Parallel development was the foundation of academies where gentlemen of leisure meant to discuss all aspects of science and the arts. 1636, the Parisian Academy was established, and in 1666, this developed into the French Academy of Science. 1662, the Royal Society of London uh, for Improving uh, Natural Knowledge came into being, and as the name indicates, it enjoyed active and royal patronages from the new king, Charles II. Similar bodies are set up in Berlin and other European centers. Here, members delivered lectures, debated, and performed experiments. They wrote reports of their proceedings, which were circulated to other members of this intellectual elite throughout Europe. But such societies didn't exist in, um, didn't only exist in major cities. Leaders of rural society like to think of themselves as culture and set up regional debating societies. 1710, certain Lincolnshire gentlemen and clergy uh, established the Society of Gentlemen for the supporting of mutual benevolence and their improvements in the liberal science and impolite learning. Among those invited to address this meeting was Sir Isaac Newton, Sir Heinz Sloan, the president of the Royal Society, whose collection later formed the nucleus of the British Museum, Reverend William Stukeley, uh, an antiquarian celebrated archaeological pioneer, both Stonehenge and Avebury excavations, and poets Alexander Pope and John Gay. Also significant is the fact that among the Spalding Society's founding members was the rector of Epworth, one Samuel Wesley, father of John and Charles Wesley, the founders of the Methodist movement. Well, we can now associate the Wesley brothers with the religious revival of the mid-18th century. Together with its sister movement, the uh, Great Awakening led by George Whit uh, Whitefield in North America. But this didn't mean to imply they were ignorant of or antipathetic to advances in science. On the contrary, John Wesley avidly read the writings of Robert Boyle, John Locke, and Sir Isaac Newton. And of Newton, he wrote, he carried the lamp of knowledge into paths that had been unexplored before. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk a little bit more about some of the standard bearers in the world of the occult. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.